Are you ready to uncover the power within you? Are you ready to kick butt at life? Are you ready to get this party started? This is Shut Up and Grind. If it's about fitness, women's empowerment, personal development, small business marketing, relationships, Robert B. Foster is talking about it. Robert is a gym owner. He went from foreclosure to multiple six figures in 12 months. Helped thousands of women shed weight and inches while becoming more confident. And a six times gold medalist in the Transplant Games of America. Get ready for Shut Up and Grind. Here's your host, Robert B. Foster. Happy Hump Day, everyone. Welcome to episode number 11 of Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. So let's just dive right in. So today we're going to talk about race relations and my stance on it. So I made a Facebook post the other day, which got mostly positive feedback. Now, there were were a couple that took some issue with what I had to say. And I just wanted to go through and just clarify my position, because my position is my position. So before I I get into that, let me give you a little background on my upbringing, because whenever I talk about about race, people always want to bring up the fact that I wasn't raised in the inner city. So I was born in New York City. My dad is from the inner city. My mom is also from the city. So my other six siblings had a good chunk of their childhood in the inner city. And we visited plenty of times. I lived in Providence for 14 years and I coached at an inner city rec center. So it's not like I don't have anything of value to add to the conversation. So I've seen a lot, I've heard a lot, I've experienced a lot. So the fact that my parents moved us out of the city and into a rural environment with a better school system, like that doesn't disqualify me from talking on things that are plaguing the black community and ways to get out of it. So first and foremost, I know that people stand behind what they were taught and how they were raised. So when I made this post, I was talking about how I was raised. I didn't talk about anyone else. I didn't put anyone else down. But just some people took issues with some of the things that I said, which is fine. You know, people are entitled to, to their, their opinions. But when it's my words, like you don't get to interpret my words, like what I meant with my words. So only I can do that. So I'm going to double down on what I said. So here, here's the post. Whenever I hear people selling racism and oppression, and I'll get back to that in a second. This is what I think of. I wasn't raised to be a victim. I wasn't raised to make excuses. I wasn't raised to point fingers for my shortcomings. And I don't raise my kids to think they are playing from behind with systemic disadvantages. Haters are going to hate always, but the determined will always find a way to rise above and prosper. So let me start with the first part. When I say whenever I hear people selling racism and oppression, that's more so the things that, that are being said to our children. So kids are being told at a young, young age that you don't have the same, the same opportunities. You're 
playing five steps behind you're this you're that and i'm sorry but that's just not true it's not true we're living in a world now where we're only almost four years removed from having a two-term black president so why are we gonna tell kids that they don't have opportunities when the opportunities are there the, the road may look a little different but the opportunities are there and that's what i mean by selling racism and oppression that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Well, I mean, I personally don't think oppression exists, but again, that's my opinion. But yeah, so racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. Just because you apply for a job and you don't get it, that doesn't automatically make it racist. If you live in a nice house and someone says, hey, what do you do for work? They're not asking you that because because you're black. They're asking you that because they're curious. Right? That happens on both sides. But like my biggest issue with, with, with racism is that not everything is racist. It's just not. It's like just because a white cop arrests a black person, it's not automatically racist. It's like, what did that person do? You know, get all of all of the facts. And if that person deserved to be arrested, they deserve to be arrested. But you, you just can't come out and automatically say that happened because I'm black. Oh, they asked us to see my receipt at Walmart because I'm black. It's like, no, like there's rules and there's policies in place in most places. Now, as I said, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist because it definitely does, but not everything is racist. And my stance on oppression is that there's black doctors, governors, senators, lawyers, engineers, construction workers, there's business owners. The, the list goes on and on and on. So it's a matter of breaking free from the mental slavery that's holding you back because it's in your mind. And a couple of weeks ago, I was I had a Zoom a Zoom meeting with someone. I was I was helping her showing her how to create a podcast. And so the conversation swerved a little into, you know, Black Lives Matter, race race relations. She was um a, a black woman who immigrated here from from Africa, and I just wanted to get her her stance on it. And so she brought up about systemic disadvantages. And so I just asked her, like, what do you mean? And she's like, you know, she's like, you know, things are just harder for, for, for us. I'm like, how? Like, how is it harder? And she says, it's like when I go into a job interview and if I see a white applicant, then I feel like they have a better shot at getting the job than I do. And so my response was, what's the key sentence, the key word in that sentence? Because to me, the key word there is feel. You said, I feel like I'm at a disadvantage. And that's what I mean by generational brainwashing. Because for me, go, again, going back to my upbringing, like you guys know, I've said on multiple occasions, my, my dad, God rest his soul, told us when we, when we, we were younger, People will always see the color of your skin, but it's up to you to help them see past it. So when I would go into a job interview and I might be the only black candidate, all of those people were fighting for second place because I was putting myself in the best position to get that job. So like, yes, they, they might have some type of prejudices within them, but the way I display myself with the energy I bring, the enthusiasm, my, my experience, 
and they can see the passion flowing through. Like I have a passion for success. I have a passion for rising above challenges. And they're going to see that in that interview. More importantly, they're going to feel it. So whatever prejudices they might have, I'm going to squash it in that interview. And that's how I'm raising my children. Let them know there are mountains out there, but you know what? Mountains can be climbed. They can absolutely be climbed. And again, that's what I mean about selling racism and oppression. That doesn't mean acting like it doesn't exist. That means charging forward in spite of. Because to me, and I've said this on another video, if you take the N-word, I completely stripped that word of its power. Completely stripped it. That's how we're going to move things forward is you have to stop getting so emotionally charged over things. And that's why people do it because it's, it's a form of control. If, when you call somebody out a name like that, the purpose of it is to get a reaction out of you. And then people want to get mad and they want to start throwing stuff. They want to fight. They want to loot and they want to riot. And the person who said it sits back and just like, see, see how crazy they are? See how these N-words act? Like I call it, when you react that way, you're becoming the N-word that they think you are. Like, just think about that. You're giving that person or that word control over your emotional well-being. So for me, I took that word and I stripped its power. You are powerless to me. It means nothing. Someone can get right in my face and say it. And it's happened. It's happened on numerous occasions. I have 46 years experience of being black. It's happened. I've experienced quite a lot, regardless of where I was raised. I like where I was raised didn't change my, my complexion. So I told you, I've been watched in convenience stores. I've been watched at gas stations. I've been accused of things I, I didn't do. We, uh, at a restaurant I managed, someone, someone broke in and they, sorry, I, I lost the rest of the text. Yeah. So somebody broke in and they cleaned out petty cash and I was the manager who closed that night. And when I tell you, they grilled me at that police station. They grilled me and I just maintained. I just maintained. I'm not saying, oh, you're just doing this because I'm black. And you're just I'm, I'm like, no, like they're doing it because I, I was the last one in the building. So racism can also be an escalator of things. And again, because people let it control their emotional well-being. So a situation that could be easily squashed, but it's being looked at through a racist lens, emotions get involved, and then it leads to something much bigger and much more dangerous and possibly deadly than it has to be. So to me, what other people think about me is none of my business. It's not. If I walk into a convenience store to get a case of water, as long as I leave with that case of water, I could care less what anybody else in there feels about me. Because nine times out of 10, I'm not going to see any of them ever again. So why should I give them control over my emotions like I choose to not do it so I choose and again my way is not right for everyone I realize that and I'm sure there's gonna be all kinds of comments blown up on this but I'm just sharing my stance my position and how I handle things if other people feel like you need to handle it in a different way then that's on you like this is America you have the right to do that but I'm just sharing what I do and so again, going back to the, I wasn't raised to be a victim. So now people get so triggered when I say that word. And, and for me, and again, this is my own definition. 
So the definition of a victim in this sense, and I'm not talking about victims of crime or assaults or that stuff. I'm talking about internally mental. If you're in a place that you are not happy or you are not fulfilled in, it is up to you to change your circumstance. If you remain in that circumstance and you constantly are complaining and pointing fingers as to why you are in that circumstance, you are playing the victim. That's what I mean by that. So it's not like I'm saying, oh, anyone who lives in the inner city, they're all victims. No, that's not what I'm saying. The many, many highly successful people have come from an inner city upbringing. But again, it's, it happens from birth to like age 12. So what happens in, in those first 12 years of your life is what's going to shape your future. So if you're in an endless cycle of maybe father being in jail or father not being in, in your life, or you're on public assistance for, for whatever reason, and you're just in a cycle that you can't get out of, that cycle is going to continue until someone makes a stand to break the cycle. So if schools ever reopen, I mean, I'm sure I could do it virtually, but I like speaking in person much, much better. But I actually created a program for high school, for high school kids called Break, Break the Cycle, like specifically for inner city kids and not, not just black kids because there's plenty of poor white kids, poor Hispanic kids, poor Asian kids out there and other demographics. But I created this program called Break the Cycle because a woman in one of the mastermind groups I'm in, she said such a great sentence that she she didn't come from from wealth. Like she didn't come from that solid upbringing that people people dream of. But she now has a million dollar business. And her sentence was, if you didn't come from a wealthy family, let a wealthy family come from you. That was Dr. Sonia. So if you listen to this, there's your shout out. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, that's my stance. Like, why do we want to tell kids you don't have any options? You don't have any choices? Because then they're just going to repeat whatever their upbringing was. They're going to repeat that. It takes someone else to step in and say, no, there's another way. Yes, there's mountains, but you can climb those mountains. Like, again, we just had a two-term Black president in a majority white country. That, that speaks volumes. And it doesn't matter if he's half this, half that. It, it doesn't matter. He got there. He got there. Harris is on the ticket now. Right? Whether you like, like her or not, she got there. You know, LeBron James, he, he's from the streets in Akron, Ohio. He got there. Again, whether you like him or not, he got there. And it's possible. And all of these kids have the opportunity. And, and again, yes, depending on your upbringing, you know, that, that's where the real privilege comes in. Because I didn't really mention it on this post, but, you know, white privilege is another thing. Because I'm sorry, but there's many more poor white people than there are rich white people. So it's not like white people just have an easy path to a, a house on the beach and a BMW, because they really don't. They have to put that work in just as well. And if you're in an inner city environment, where it's pre predominant people of color, like you don't really see the struggles that the whites go through as well. Because again, they have plenty of uphill battles just like the rest of us. 
So there are people that have to work two and three jobs to make ends meet. And there, a lot of them are above the poverty line, which means that they can't get any assistance. So if they struggle, they gotta, they gotta figure ways to get, to get through it just like everyone else does. So to just say that from birth, they just have a clear path to, you know, health, wealth, and prosperity. It's the furthest thing from, from the truth. And I've showed this picture on here before. These are my twin boys, twins, biological twin boys. One is clearly darker. One is clearly lighter. Twin boys. So am I supposed to tell Ricky he's got an uphill battle? And I, I should just start polishing up a Mercedes for Benjamin? Is he just not going to have to put any work in? Like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way, ladies and gentlemen. It really doesn't. Ages ago, it worked that way. Like, racism was pretty much legal with, with the, you know, the Jim Crow laws and all that. Like, it was legal back then. Slavery was legal back then. But to say that white people should feel white guilt now is the most asinine thing ever. Because... It was the lawmakers of that time that set the laws and people go along with the laws, kind of how we have to go with the laws now, right? So we can't just do whatever, whatever we want to do. And so even throughout the segregation times, I mean, those things were law. They were law. So over time, those laws got, got uh, changed. And now we're into 2020. 2020, you have opportunities. Like, People aren't leaving this country, swimming in, swimming across the Atlantic Ocean to get to Cuba. You know, people aren't leaving here to go to these to other countries. Like people are coming here, and why? Because there's opportunity here. And getting back to white privilege, what a lot of people don't realize that whites aren't even the richest demographic in this country, and a lot of people don't even know that it's Asians. So why are Asians able to come here and prosper if racism is so awful in this country? And again, as I'm saying, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It does exist, but it's not to the level that the media portrays. And this is the part, I, I really feel like this is criminal, the way things are reported, because if a white man and an Asian man get into a fight. It's just two men get into a fight. If an Indian man and Hispanic man, one stabs the other, it's like man stabbed at wherever the establishment is. But the second it's a white person doing any type of harm to a black person, it's specified. It's white man punches black man or white man shoots black man and it's even better if it's a white cop because then it becomes national and sometimes international news they're playing off the emotions of people and why because there's money in it there's money sexism is still a big problem here with women getting unequal wages unequal treatment being harassed on the job that's a huge huge problem but it doesn't get excuse me, it doesn't get broadcasted the way white on black racism does. Because racism is not just a one-way street, ladies and gentlemen. Like if, if you're any person of color and if you don't like someone else for simply the way they, they look, the color of their skin, that is also racism. 
I've, I've heard people say, oh, black people can't be racist. Uh, yes, you can. You're a human being. You can too. If you are completely excluding people from the color of their skin, that is called racism. And you can't fight racism with racism. Oh, oh well, they did it for, okay, guys, it's 2020 now. It's 2020. Whether the, the playing field is level or not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The fact is you can reach your end goal. That's how I'm raising my children. That's how I'm holding myself to my, to my own standard. It was like, I don't care what other people think about me. Some people can hate me because I'm bald. Some people can hate me because I have facial hair because I don't dye the grays out. Some people can hate me because I'm competitive, maybe over competitive. Like there's, there's many, many different reasons why people could hate me. Adding racism to it doesn't mean like all of a sudden now I'm going to care. If you don't like me because of the color of my skin, that's your demon to deal with, not mine. Not mine at all. Because me, I accept everyone. I love everyone. If you don't have that same love in your heart, that's on you, bro. That's not on me. Because I am strong enough, confident enough, and comfortable enough in my skin to not give you power over my emotions. And I'm going to leave you with that thought. Thank you very much for tuning in. As always, feel free to comment. Feel free to, di to, to disagree. Feel free to expand on what I said. Just be respectful, okay? We are not in high school. There's no need to bicker, no need to name call and do all that, uh, that other nonsense. But if you, if you want to open up a dialogue, I am open. You guys post any nonsense on this, I'm just going to delete them and I'm not going to acknowledge you. So that's all I got for you. Again, have a great day. Bye. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com slash speaks on Instagram at Robert underscore B underscore Foster on Twitter at RBF underscore fitness and on Facebook at Robert B. Foster. Till next time, shut up and grind.